1: Welcome to the Travelcast, episode 378. The Drabblecast is a weekly audio fiction magazine that brings strange stories by strange authors to strange listeners, such as yourself. I'm your host, Norm Sherman. Our story this week is something else. You're going to love it, folks. We actually came across it from one of our fans and frequent collaborators, David Steffen, who runs the Diabolical Plots blog, where he does podcast reviews and where this story first appeared. If you enjoy this story this week, and I know you will, check out Dave's site at www.diabolicalplots.com and stay tuned till after the story for a promo from Dave. All right, let's hit this. Our story this week is Cyborg Giraffe Cleans House by Matthew Sanborn Smith. Matthew Sanborn Smith's work has appeared in Cheezing, Albedo One, the Starship Sofa podcast, and at Tor.com. He's quite the funny guy. I've known Matthew for years. And you should go check out his podcast at BewareTheHairyMango.com, which regularly features more of his awesome work. The story is read to you by the one, the only, the Amy Sturgis. Amy holds a Ph.D. in intellectual history and specializes in the fields of science fiction and fantasy and Native American studies. How awesome is that? She lives with her husband, Dr. Larry M. Hall, and their best friend, Virginia, the Boston Terrier, in the foothills of North Carolina, USA. Oh, no kidding. The story is produced by Drabblecast producer Adam Pratt. And all music is by Kevin McCleod of Incompetech.com, used under a Creative Commons 3.0 license. So without further ado, we bring you Cyborg Giraffe Cleans House by Matthew Sanborn Smith.
2: Cyborg Giraffe Cleans House. A plate, a plate, another plate burst upon the kitchen tile. This one broke into three large pieces and assorted ceramic crumbs. Giraffe closed her long-lashed eyes and prayed to her many makers Why in the world would the people make one hard thing that was so likely to smash into a second hard thing? "'Another one!' Ms. Matambe yelled. "'Get out of my kitchen immediately!' She seemed to have been lurking near the kitchen entrance in anticipation. Giraffe didn't bother to look. That unshining face made guest appearances in her night terrors. It was Tuesday, so it would be the zebra print dress, the long strand of Moroccan beads, and those slapping gold sandals. Giraffe turned off the water, wiped her hands on the dish towel, and let out a long cyber. Giraffe's designers, possibly a focus group of three- to five-year-olds, had blessed her with a ridiculous set of stubby arms, which protruded from just above her forelegs. She had to almost climb into the sink to wash the dishes, and with the proximity of the wall behind the sink and Ms. Matambe's impossibly low ceilings, which Ms. Matambe insisted were high ceilings, Giraffe's head was pressed snugly into the upper northwest corner of the room. She had to rely on her silicone-skinned hands to feel her way through. I wanted something graceful like a gazelle, something that would look beautiful in my home, and look what I got, Ms. Matambe said. I would prefer a wildebeest to you. My sincere apologies, ma'am, Giraffe said. If you will excuse me, I must step outside, ma'am. You are always stepping outside and inside again. What is so important outside? You're letting in flies. My neck hurts, ma'am. "'From bending, ma'am.' "'Her polished hooves clopped across the floor. "'They can make a giraffe that can walk and talk.' "'I could walk long before the enhancements, ma'am. "'But they can't make a giraffe whose neck won't hurt indoors.' "'I should like it if they made one of those as well, ma'am. "'I encourage you to take that up with the agency, ma'am.' "'No wonder the dishwashing machine had quit in a huff.' "'Giraffe squeezed past the sliding glass doors "'and unfolded herself into the blinding backyard.' her head bobbed to the top of her height as if it was one of the floats in Ms. Matambe's pool, escaping from beneath its wriggling child. She stretched and bent her neck back as far as it would go. Vertebrae popped like bubble wrap. Oh, that felt good! Giraffe fantasized of roof-removing storms and arms that reached the stars, scrubbing out stubborn sunspots with the lemon-scented dishwashing liquid of the gods, She shook one stunted tyrannosaur fist at the sky, or perhaps at her neck. She swore revenge on... something. The Kawawa's lion sunned itself in the next yard. Intellectually, she knew the lion should not harm her. Nevertheless, she kept a metaphorical eye on it when they were outside together. If she didn't fret so much over scratches, she could have kept a literal eye on it as well, given their removable nature. Giraffe looked back into the kitchen. Ms. Matambe watched her while shouting into her headset, presumably at Mr. Matambe. This is not a servant. This is some sort of insult. This clumsy beast is destroying our home. We can't afford to buy a new set of dishware every week. I want a replacement now. I don't care if there are no others available. Demand an exchange with someone. You have people below you. Well, someone must have one. Giraffe heard all of this through her cybernetic ear, while wondering why anyone thought that a cybernetic ear would be important for a giraffe housekeeper. Most of her enhancements were questionable, to be honest. Disco ball eyes? Regenerating caramel tail? cybergills. Giraffe was afraid she had come along at the end of a cyborg servant frenzy, when an exhausted industry had grasped in desperation for any animal that was left, and hastily hot-glued on whatever miscellaneous enhancements had been found in the dusty corner of the factory floor. Ms. Matambe didn't understand that she and Giraffe were two of a kind. Two years into her husband's promotion, she was at the very bottom of the nouveau upper-middle-class, too house-proud of a place in Kamara which they couldn't quite afford. She'd been catapulted from a life which was the envy of all around her to a world in which she was woefully behind. The trophy possessions she managed to gather were never quite right, inspiring derisive smiles from women who wouldn't deign to call her a peer. Giraffe stewed as one of those second-rate status symbols. While Ms. Matambe was turned away for a moment, Giraffe saw a chance for a quick snack. She trotted toward the acacia tree. You will stand your ground, Giraffe, the acacia tree cyborg warned, or suffer the consequences. It bent its limbs in a one-legged karate stance, ready to chop. Giraffe was unperturbed. The tree would never dream of damaging its mistress's property, whereas, in Giraffe's case, that train had sailed. A little more snacking effort was required now, as Giraffe had already stripped the leaves off the limbs that always fought to push her away. The lazy acacia and its slow-growing leaves made it necessary for Giraffe to go deeper. But Giraffe always won. Trees simply didn't have the killer instinct of the ferocious herbivore. Giraffe chewed greedily, undaunted by the acacia's screams. They were screams of indignation, rather than pain, anyway. Probably. Giraffe tried to alleviate the tree's outrage with her soothing words. You taste infinitely better than Ms. Matambe's giraffe chow. But the snobby tree didn't seem able to take a compliment. Enough, it cried. It stopped trying to push Giraffe away and instead embraced her. Giraffe had only wanted acceptance from the acacia. Its affection was totally unexpected, though perhaps, Giraffe thought, not unwanted. But alas, Giraffe had been mistaken the tree's limbs cybernetically enhanced thorns pressed into Giraffe from either side. Like that, the acacia had become an enormous mouth, and Giraffe had become a ham sandwich. What is going on here? Ms. matambe appeared and began spritzing Giraffe's dancing legs with that dreadful anti-ungulate spray. It smelled like Satan's ravioli. How many times have I told you to leave my tree alone? Ms. matambe shouted. "'I would like nothing better at the moment, ma'am. "'It seems that I am being eaten by your tree. "'I suspect this is an act of revenge rather than of sustenance, "'and I strongly encourage you to take this up with the agency, ma'am.' "'The thorns tore into Giraffe's flesh "'as her arms punched air that was almost near the acacia's trunk. "'With the end in sight, Giraffe's thoughts were butterside up. "'As deaths went, this was certain to be no more humiliating "'than the rest of her life. "'Fortunately... At that moment, the lion attacked. Intellectually, Giraffe had known that it shouldn't attack, given the restrictions imposed upon it by its pie-slice of cybernetic brain. Intellectually, Giraffe had known that she would never be eaten by a tree. Upon reflection, Giraffe recalled the intellect under consideration was that of a giraffe, which perhaps had its shortcomings in modern-day suburban Tanzania. In her defense, the lion didn't seem to be attacking her, but... Ms. Matambe. Giraffe suspected it was her delicious-looking dress. Her short, chubby legs tried something that resembled running, but the lion was nearly upon her. Giraffe kicked her sharp hoof out hard, squarely into the center of its head. Momentum carried the lion's body, if not its head, into Ms. Matambe, who frothed in terror, but the lion only twitched as it died. To acacia trees, giraffes have always been far more terrifying than lions. After witnessing Giraffe's nonchalant disposal of her foe, the tree lost its nerve and released her. Besides, not having been supplied with the cybernetic esophagus, it would never have been able to swallow even a bite-sized giraffe. While Ms. Matambe dealt with the police, Giraffe waited inside tending those wounds she could reach with a tub of old Chishamu's giraffe spackle, original flavor. Even after viewing the tree's memory of the events, the police had trouble believing there was a giraffe in the house. One officer poked her head inside the kitchen. "'Hello,' giraffe said. The officer withdrew her head. When the police questioned the lion's cybernetic enhancements, their manufacturer offered through them to settle with the Matambes on the spot for 30 million shillingi. Ms. Matambe demanded a replacement for her servant in addition to the money. Giraffe would have lowered her head in mortification had it not already been bowed due to being indoors. She hoped her replacement would be a lion, to be delivered next Tuesday. Yes, of course, the lion's left hind leg responded. What type of servant would you prefer in exchange? All was quiet for a moment, save for the sound of the acacia tree rubbing its limbs together in anticipation. Fortunately, at that moment, Ms. Kawawa attacked. You beasts, the lot of you! Ms. Kawawa shouted as she marched across her yard in a sensibly solid dress. My wild date palm told me everything! Giraffe peered out of the back door. Shit, it seemed, was about to go down. The lion tried to kill me, Ms. Matambe said in a supplicating voice. She had always feared Ms. Kawawa. My baby would never do such a thing, Ms. Kawawa said. We're sorry to say that he did indeed do such a thing, Ms. Kawawa, her baby's leg said. Ms. Kawawa was undaunted. You filthy trash have been a blight to the street ever since you moved here. Giraffe had always imagined that the look of horror now on Miss Matambe's face would be delectable when it came. In fact, Giraffe's cybernetic stomach felt as if it had dropped into a pit of cybernetic acid. Giraffe felt herself drawn out of the house; she had to put herself between the two ladies and comfort her mistress. You and that freak of an animal Ms. Kawaba said, pointing at the approaching giraffe. You're fool of a husband and your nasty children. At those last words, Ms Matambe's lips grew tight. Giraffe stumbled and then spun about, galloping for the safety of the kitchen. In the end, Ms. Kawaba was grateful for the presence of the police. She, too, ran for the safety of her kitchen. At some point, The police officers thought it was safe to release Ms. Matambe's tight arms. Giraffe cowered with her head on the kitchen floor. Ms. Matambe looked at Giraffe, who sought some way to cower even further. Perhaps she could dig through the tile with her mirror-facet eyes. "'How about?' Ms. Matambe said to the lion's leg, in deep, shaking breaths. "'Instead of a replacement—' A longer set of arms for my current servant." Giraffe raised her burrowing head slightly. A couple of tiny eye mirrors tinkled to the floor. Absolutely, said the leg, with some relief. It already had to replace the rest of its lion. And also, Ms. Mutombe said, extra support for its neck. After the police had left and the lion's leg dragged its corpse out of the yard, Ms. Matambe came back inside and looked at Giraffe while holding her fists to her hips. Giraffe said nothing. She had cleaned up the kitchen, except for the dishes, and now folded the laundry in perfect right angles. (sighs) Well, Ms. Matambe said after a sigh, you do do an excellent job cleaning my ceiling. Thank you, ma'am, Giraffe nodded most effectively, thanks to her cybernetically enhanced nodder. The popcorn texture feels delightful on my back, ma'am.
3: Hello, strange people. This is David Steffen, editor of Diabolical Plots, the original publisher of Giraffe's Cyborg Clean's House. When I first read this story in my submission pile, my first thought was, I have to buy this story. My second thought was, and I bet Drabblecast fans will love it, In case you haven't heard of Diabolical Plots, I'll give you a little background. Diabolical Plots has been continuously publishing nonfiction since 2008, reviews, interviews, articles about writing. Of particular interest to podcast listeners, might be my best of podcast lists. I've been voraciously listening to podcasts for more than five years, and in that time I have plumbed the backlogs of most of the major science fiction, fantasy, and horror podcasts, and kept up with their new episodes. Whenever I finish a new podcast, I write up a list of my favorite episodes, and I do the same for all the podcasts I keep up with every year. Nonfiction is a great way to engage with the science fiction community, but what I most wanted to do was to collect and publish original fiction, the kind of fiction I most like to read. Weird ideas, satisfying story arcs, and characters that make me care. Stories might make me laugh or cry or just to ponder. I like variety. I wanted to publish fiction, but didn't have the resources to pay what I wanted to pay the authors. In 2013, my friend Anthony Sullivan and I launched the Submission Grinder, a tool for writers to find markets for their fiction, to track their submissions and find response time statistics from other authors. The tool has gained enough of a following to allow me to publish fiction, so 2015 marks the first year of original fiction on Diabolical Plots, one story a month to get started. If you like this story, stop by www.diabolicalplots.com to read more. We have stories about pods of sentient starships, Roombas finding religion, superhero bureaucracy, fun weird stuff like that. If you like what I'm publishing, spread the word, consider a donation, or, I don't know, whisper the stories into your friend's ear while they're sleeping on your couch. If they wake while you're whispering, pretend like you're sleepwalking. If they don't believe you're sleepwalking, then throw a pillow at them and run away. Thanks for listening, and stay weird.
1: If you're into podcast fiction, as I imagine you might be, what with, you know, listening to me right now and such, you're going to want to check out Diabolical Plots. Dave does the best, most thorough rundown of speculative fiction on the internet. His best of podcast lists are a great place to connect if you like top-notch audio fiction. www.diabolicalplots.com Alright, let's hit our 100-character story winner this week, by Drebblecast forum member Nibbery. Here it is. I'm so cold, spinning all alone through the dark All I ever wanted to be was somebody's home But I am too far from the sun All right, folks, that's our show this week. Remember, Drabblecast is brought to you with a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives license, which means don't change it, don't sell it, but feel free to share it all you like. If you enjoy the Drabblecast, consider donating to us. We rely 100% on listener donations to keep this show going and pay authors. We greatly appreciate it. You can find numerous donation options off our website at Drabblecast.org. Special thanks to our episode artist this week, Skeet Scianski. Skeet, primarily a disc golf themed artist out of Charlotte, North Carolina. Really? Nathan's from North Carolina and Murr and Amy Sturgis. What the crap? And I'm from North Carolina, too, of course. Skeet has, on occasion, fulfilled his lust for creating podcast cover arts with the DC experience. Try it with bacon. Find Skeet at beyondthedisc.deviantart.com. Our program this week was brought to you by Chief Editor Nathan Lee, our art director, Bo Kyer, with additional help from Nikki Drayden, Tom Baker, David Carvin, and David Steffen. We'll see you next week, folks. Until then, this is Norm Sherman reminding you they can make a giraffe that can walk and talk, but they can't make a giraffe whose neck won't hurt indoors.